Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Right, it's time to meet Dan Dolan, a self-described BMX nutter who spent several years working within the film production industry for some of the most famous directors in the world and on the biggest films of recent times before ending up as a brilliantly talented wedding videographer. It's a truly fascinating journey. We explore his creative process, the importance of networking, and the gift that self-employment can be to your life, and much, much more. I think you're going to like this one. It's a great episode. Let's get on with the show. Right then. (laughs) It makes it sound as if it's, it's, I was like, as if it's like the first time we're doing it. I was, like, waiting, I was waiting for you. It's like, why do I start it all the time? Why don't you take the baton? Man, because I thought you were... You were okay, gonna... come on. Come on, let's let's just get straight into this. It's my presence, just Dan, bringing that much Dan vibe. Dolan. Dan D- Dolan's here today. The mighty Dan Dolan. Mighty Dan Hello. Dolan. Look at we're, that beard. We're big fans of, we're big fans of Dan Dolan. And, um, those of you that are listening that don't know Dan, he's a wedding videographer based in Litchfield. Litchfield? Yeah. Um, and me and Igor have both had the pleasure of working with you quite a few times now. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. And I'd, I'm going to say he's one of the good guys. He is definitely one, definitely of, the one of the good guys. Definitely one of the good guys. Such a pleasure to work with. When you see it on the sheet, you're like, oh, have you got a videographer? And it's like, yeah, Dan Dolan. I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah. Brilliant. I know that I'm going to get a bear hag today. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> um, I thought we'd start this episode off by actually just reading. We asked Dan, didn't we, for like just a bit of a bio, mm-hmm. just to give us a bit of background before we started kind of prepping today's episode and um it it made us both laugh didn't it so i thought we'd just share it with everybody <laughs> first and then it. we'll just and then we'll just dissect it and, and see where it goes strap so, your seat belts in people i asked dan just to give us a little bit of a bio and this was his this was his response and this is going to give you a, an amazing idea of, of what he's like so before weddings i rode bmx bikes demolished buildings walked out of two promising engineering careers built bikes didn't turn up for my London Fire Brigade assessment, filmed BMX bikes, put up ceilings, converted lofts, joined the parachute regiment, ran home, filmed more idiots on BMX bikes, emceed at a couple of drum and bass nights, commentated at BMX competitions, built BMX jumps, filmed more BMX, turned 22, and landed in film post-production. Stuck there for 13 years, learning for the first time ever. Met Hannah, had kids, goated my 13-year film career one random Tuesday lunchtime with six weddings booked and Hannah egging me on. If you know Hannah, then I can imagine her doing that. Uh, and yesterday, I filmed my 200th or so wedding and rode my BMX between venues. Feels so weird writing that down. I've always felt like I just made a series of ill-formed, ill-informed, shitty choices and bailouts. 
but actually it was me weaving through a load of shit to just find what I do now boom poetic (laughs) (laughs) if you say so yourself but yeah I read it and I kind of I found it really I found it brilliantly amusing but I also found it kind of moving as well Mm. I I really enjoyed reading that journey and it almost felt like it was a bit of a therapy session for you it completely was because I've never written it all down I've never put it in a in a list like that and it's 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 all over the place and I can as I was writing down each element of it like up until like probably last year I would sit and think why didn't I go to that London Fire Brigade Mm -hmm. assessment why didn't because it was like so hard to get to that stage but I didn't why didn't I go to the engineering apprenticeship that I got offered by London Underground I was like what I don't know and there there would be genuine regrets there'd be genuine thoughts where I'd like mess that up like even with weddings doing well and business being successful I was always questioning the choices I made then but writing it all out the madness of it kind of all together equaled something that was logical and, a, and an actual route and each element gave me something different like joining the army gave me more confidence in myself totally like um, and then that carried through and then it just built on it from from there so it's a load of rubbish but it's greater than the sum of its parts when you look at it when you step back from it kind of yeah. thing so I, I wouldn't say it's a load of rubbish it's well, some of it is really bad <laughs> <laughs> but literally reading it I was like this could be a book this could be a book in its totality really because it's so many it's so many people's journey isn't it oh it's so relatable it's literally you go here and you know when you see those sort of like creatives um diagrams where where you start in one line and then massive squiggles in between and then your end the end point is whatever your business is today all those squiggles there's there's a story there that spits you out doesn't it it's incredible day i think it just i think it just goes to show that you've always actually wanted more Mm. like i you may yeah. not may not have been so aware of it at the time, but you no, obviously completely unaware of it. You at obviously the time. weren't yeah. satisfied in those roles, but actually, what you have been able to do is to kind of take out just like little bits from each role, and and it, I suppose this is part of maybe getting a little bit older, and, and obviously we're you know we're all of a you know an age now with late thirties, early forties, I think. Wise, um, yeah, you know, and it, and that is part of the part of the journey of growing up and realizing that maybe those experiences weren't just what we thought they were at the time which was to just earn a living yeah you know totally. and that actually you took things away from each one of those experiences and that's kind of made you or put you in the position you're in today that, yeah because without, yeah. All of, without some of those experiences you probably wouldn't be the, the videographer that you are now and you might not go on to, and, and you know your journey hasn't ended at being this like you haven't finished at just being a wedding photographer you know you talk about the end of the Line. Yeah, yeah, it's Mike, true. It's true. This guy's yeah. Just, you have, yeah, yeah. have little yeah. holding pens that you might settle in for a little while, but then you know, obviously there's a a restlessness there or a dissatisfaction with stagnating that just means. Look, I guess it, it's different for different people. Some people have a clear goal and they aim for it, but other people go, ah, which is what I used to do. Sort of, I suppose, to a degree, throw my toys out the pram, get frustrated, walk away, and then just think right well, what's next yeah and often there'd be like a stop gap that filled it but even then that would be something that you can take something away from in hindsight yeah if i'd have known that then i'd have been probably on a much more sort of stress-free journey and, and enjoyed the ride a bit more but 
because I didn't know that, I just kind of kept thinking I was going so down now, dead so end. So now you do know that. How do you think that affects your mindset towards the position you're currently in? I think it just, it makes me feel grounded in what I'm doing and more assured in what I'm doing and less fearful in what there is to come, even though I don't necessarily know what it is. I think with that kind of track record, all over the place like it is, you could, you know, best laid plans could be planned out five years in ahead, but I don't really need that now. Yeah. I feel like things that will happen will happen. I mean, you can call it fate. You can go woo-woo with it and stuff like that, but it's definitely given me the ability not to be scared of what the future holds for me now. And I think weddings have compounded that in just the nature of being self-employed and the nature of chasing that work for yourself, mm. which is a blessing and a curse at the same time. But yeah, yeah especially for video as well. And uh, yeah, we all know, don't we, that video tends to be one of the the latter decisions in, yeah. a, in a couple's grandparent of, money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so for you to like, obviously me and Igor, we, we tend to be able to forecast and plan our, our year probably much more in advance. Yeah. And you obviously have to be a bit more, a bit more reactive, a bit more fluid with yeah. how you take work on and when you take work on. I think, yeah. And we, I guess we get, we, we kind of tend to scramble a little bit more videographers and where like, like just the last two weeks, the amount of like last minute inquiries that have come in for this year. Now this year is quite stable and good for me. But previous years, I would have just been grabbing jobs left, right, and centre, mm. you know, and not even questioning it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit more erratic, I'd say. And you kind of, I sort of approach it with the mindset that I just need to kind of jump on them jobs with a plan to maybe reducing that as I go on through it. But it has reduced loads since when I first started. Yeah. You're like you're just grabbing everything and anything. I'm, I was filming in coffee shops and doing any commercial work I could do at the same time but now I'm like no I can do this with weddings I know I can just be patient I mean I think we're going to get sorry, I think we're going to get into this a little bit later on in terms of um, you know breaking into the world of video but yeah. you just made a point there that I was like we, we just need to talk about that very quickly it's like that that important the importance of being in an early stage of your business and just you've got to just shoot everything haven't you and I think that, this, applies yeah. to, this applies to photographers as well, 100%. is that you've got to just say yes to everything. And then as time moves on and you start to kind of get that traction, the skill and the art becomes about yeah. saying no to you, certain... And you find your voice within that, that mass of, of work. Of course you do. It's, a, it's, a, it's an enormous learning yeah. curve. And, yeah, you, and that's a, it's a cliche to say it, but you just have to shoot everything. Yeah. Shoot everything and anything. Shoot your, shoot your family at home. Shoot, like, do stupid things. Try out things. Yeah laugh at how bad they are um it's one of those then, i get i get asked that quite a lot in in my course it's like oh yeah you know, how can i how do i get more bookings how do i how do i get started like you've just, you've just got to get out there and just push yourself and i and think that like, shout about yourself the modern world though like especially that social media delivers a, a a lifestyle and people want to click into that lifestyle without realizing that no, there's a basis most that's of the built times, into yeah. that. Yeah, most of the times people just see the end point, really, the yeah. final result. That it's very polished, shiny, and shimmery, yeah. and the hard work no. that it's gone. It's literally ten years worth of work, or fifteen yeah. years worth yeah, yeah. of work that you kind of like just seeing that being presented to you. And yeah, yeah, yeah it's big, it there. is bigger than you even give it credit for. Like your basis of knowledge and learning is is massive. 
and it starts when you're really young so yeah it's huge before we before we dive into like sort of talking about the industry and weddings and where you're at just i'm really keen to just kind of pick up on a couple of things that came up in this um how do you what do you want to call it uh, what do you call it with somebody's kind of dolan's synopsis uh, dolan's, synopsis. <laughs> dolan's biography um, <laughs> by himself <laughs> Obviously, BMX plays has played a massive part because you mentioned it about fifty four fifty four times within that um, that paragraph. But at, also the, the, the world of film production, I'm, I'm intrigued. So let's let's just let's just address the BMX world first. How has that kind of featured in your your background? Um, it it basically was from the age of twelve, probably up until just before I met Hannah in 2010. Mm. It was all I did. It was the only people I knew. Literally, I I didn't I didn't go to a pub with my friends from school because I was digging holes with my BMX friends on a Friday night, on a Saturday night. Like I had a strange childhood <laughs> by my own choosing. Um, and it was just I think it was like a sort of a real sort of little misfit crew where we grew up in like northwest london it it wasn't a nice place to grow up it was you there was there was like two or three routes you could choose to go to go down and two out of the three were bad and then we just found this little niche where we could get on with our own do our own thing to the point of where where we build the jumps like we would know the local crackheads and they would come and sit down and chill with us it was but we found this this thing where we could kind of get away from everyone, and I just it was just like-minded people, mm. um, which on the face of it just looked like misfits. Like we really did. And if we ever get together, well, you probably saw a group of them at my wedding. Yeah, well done. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd group of people. <laughs> the age range is broad, and the broken physicality due to riding bikes is quite apparent on a lot of them <laughs> as well. But yeah, so it just and then. As I went, as I kept doing it, I started getting involved with events and things, and then I started filming things. In probably sort of nineteen ninety eight, we was documenting what we was doing, which included dragging sofas behind transit vans around the estate on fire with people on them. Like it was <laughs> yeah. that bizarre, but that was like week in, week out, and it, yeah. So filming that became like I became the guy that documented it because I was never the guy that could do all the riding. I try a bit usually bust some teeth which i still have a chip tooth from um, that's my little trophy i'm keeping that forever um yeah so filming filming came from bmx essentially and had you always been creative had you always sort of like had that streak or did yeah, that come quite I mean, naturally yeah i mean in terms of school before that even like art and design technology were kind of the only things i was interested in at school to the massive detriment of every other subject like it was <laughs> just about that um i didn't didn't care about anything else like and that was another one of my sort of regrets looking back why didn't i why didn't i try and learn more but i was, I was like between the ages of 11 and 16 i wasn't interested in trying to learn i just wanted to do what i was enjoying which was art for the most part and a bit of welding and stuff like that i think we can all relate to that can't we i think yeah, we both talked about that how um, yeah, we were drawn to the, those subjects at school um, and, and when did when did working in film production kind of when did that so that, develop itself in your in your career? That was a little while. So I uh, that was when I was twenty two. I got a job as a runner. Our next door neighbour, good family friend, she was a receptionist. She said, "There's a job going as a runner." I was like, "What's a runner? Sounds 
like you get tired <laughs> um, so I just well, went into this um, this building and I'd, it was a company called Technicolor who like you see at the end of all the films and within about a week I was like whoa this is really really exciting it was film vaults with 35mm and 70mm stacked to the ceiling and there was like Monty Python in there Ben-Hur all these original and it just completely like consumed me as a, it, I, I loved films anyway but I didn't realise that I loved the kind of mechanics behind them until I got that job so I just kind of dived into that and rode my BMX at the weekends <laughs> living the dream <laughs> yeah yeah strange the, dream what was the sort of like film that that you were the proudest of of being part of oh that's um probably more so than the so I've worked on like big films I did a relatively well, I was a small cog in a big machine mm-hmm. um I was scanning film for a lot of my career so but I worked on like Harry Potter films um was a big part of our so from film two all the way till the eighth film we worked on all of them uh, but I think the proudest I was was when um we got a restoration project for Brief Encounter the David Lean film mm-hmm. like classic black and white yeah and the a security guard like wheeled in 12 cans of film and I didn't know I didn't hadn't looked at the job sheet and it was the original camera negative for Brief Encounter oh my goodness I was like, this is gold and they delivered drop, it in two. They delivered that. it in two batches. So, like one guy brought in the first batch, and we put it in the vault. And then the second guy brought the second batch, and they have duplicates off-site. So if he gets robbed, gotta have your backup. Gets yeah. run over. <laughs> have your backup. Yeah, yeah, it's the backup. Like the value, like, the value of that. But so cans. that was like the restoration stuff. In a way, it was kind of more important, and mm. that's where I really kind of got involved, and the sort of science came into it. And it was like just a privilege to work on it. Um, quite scary like white gloves on sheer responsibility know, like, of it yeah pressurised it sounds room. like you were in your element there though like, I love it, it sounds I was, like yeah, the way you it. talk about it you are yeah. obviously incredibly and it's passionate like, about it I do miss that I miss that that kind of well actually saying that I just realised like, I was going to say I missed the responsibility of that but then I've taken on a different responsibility entirely yeah, of course, yeah. which carries as much do weight. you wear white gloves in your studio now <laughs> I went to weddings Sam have you not noticed <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> yeah, so, and in, in every every kind of thing I did, so that that kind of glossed over the fact that I was doing like nights for a year and a half in Soho, working in a basement under a street in Soho, like that was it, and um, it didn't matter. Um, so, you, so you were doing a job that you you were clearly really passionate about and you enjoyed, that allowed you then to go and ride your bikes, which you were really passionate about and yeah. you enjoyed what what changed i'm assuming hannah came into your life at some point so i mean it was teddy our our eldest yeah that that kind of just flipped everything because that lifestyle doesn't fit with children um and there was a kind of brewing thing going on in the film industry i don't want to be bitter about it because i've been bitter about it for a long time and i just ain't anymore i'm just like no i've seen my boss since but there was opportunities i always wanted to be an editor that was my kind of goal from sort of year three of from 25 years old I wanted to be an editor that's where I wanted to be and I kind of put myself forward stayed after work stayed late worked with the editors learned this done a bit of edit assisting to to help the editors out um but just never kind of fitted the mold and 
I kind of felt that that was brewing because I kept I, I got jobs as editors and then got pulled off of them jobs and put back where I was. I was good at what I did and I knew I was to the point of where I, the only pay rises I ever got was when I marched in the office and said, I need a pay rise because I'm better than X, Y, Z, which looking back is pretty, pretty ballsy for a 25 year old, a bit arrogant, but that's where I was and it yeah. worked. So I was one of the highest paid kind of workers there, but I was doing the lower paid jobs and I kind of boxed myself in because they wanted to drop my pay to put me on as an edit assistant. But then I had a baby and I was like, I can't afford to drop in pay. So I kind of got stuck. Um, and my boss one day, he said, there's an opportunity for a management role. Um, <laughs> he actually said this. He said, but you probably will need to consider your appearance and the way you speak. <laughs> oh, my days. Wow. Yeah, that's what it's like. It's, it's brutal. It is cutthroat. It's like the finance industry. Like, it is cutthroat. They will just tell you to leave. Like, box on the table, go. If you... Because, you know, one millimetre wrong on something and you've ruined something. Like, so they, they broke the negative in the developing bath one night on a Tim Burton film. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The negative snapped. They lost, I think they lost 1,200 foot of film, which is like 10 minutes of Johnny Depp screen tests for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So <laughs> they just pulled the job out of the, the company entirely. And that company, we lost like, oh, it was probably like 150,000 pounds worth of work just, wow. to, just off the back of that. So kind of derailed from my point there no no no, no but, um, it's great it's a, it's a fascinating yeah. world to hear about yeah and it's just that it was cutthroat it was brutal and um i just kind of got a bit disillusioned with it and then the weddings kind of crept in then and it, i felt like i had control of it i felt like i controlled my own destiny even though i had like five weddings booked and i'd shot a few how did you shoot your first wedding? Was it sort of like a friend of a friend or? It was so our friend, uh, Hannah's, Hannah's best friend used to have a wedding venue in Litchfield. And they just approached a couple that were like nice friendly couple and they didn't have a video. And I shot the video, went and shot it for free. And it was, it was all right. It was like terrifying as a process. <laughs> it was 2014, I think. And it, but it came out okay. I realized, and that just kind of reinforced because I'd seen other videographers and I was like, I could do that. Because I come from film, yeah. So I looked, I looked <laughs> down it. on it, like, it, and I was bitter because <laughs> yeah. I had to accept that I was going to be doing this, and it was welcome rubbish. To the, welcome to the dark side. And I was like, oh, yes, of course I can do that, darling. Yeah. But then within a few weddings, I was like, oh, this is nice. Like this is nice. The responsibility's there, so you feel like you're in a position that's important. I mean, you obviously had pressure in your in your in your role within the film production world, yeah. so you obviously. And I do think like the, the pressure is a big side of our industry, mm -hmm. isn't it? That yeah. you you can either handle that or you can't. Yeah, um, I know plenty of great photographers that that can't handle it and don't don't do weddings because of that pressure. Yeah, I thrive um, in it. Yeah, I, I love, just yeah, I love, love it. it. Yeah, it doesn't factor in my mind actually. The pressure. Yeah. I, no, I, I, not yeah. on the day. I think no. I think when when you have a couple that are like sending you granular itineraries of every minute of the day, I start getting a bit like, whoa, just just give me an outline. Like yeah. oh, I'll be there. I'll do what I need to do because. Yeah, because I don't need extra pressure. There's enough there, but I've mm. learned to deal with it yeah. as a base level of when I'm at a wedding. And you want space to breathe as well. You want space Maybe, for yeah. the um, the natural to happen, really. And just, yeah. Yeah, I think experience teaches us that you can't force that, can you? Mm -hmm. And that actually you just need to be... I you, think, can I definitely be a, you can definitely be a facilitator of 
like yeah certain yeah. moments well, I don't know what the word would be like bringing an air of like changing the mood of the you day can influence it. you can influence it yeah. definitely influence it yeah you definitely can and that's I think that's a skill you, you definitely learn I, yeah. I started seeing when when that would click and how you could kind of be like just calm down yeah yeah God, that is irrelevant like yeah. just calm down yeah. <laughs> well when you've been to 50 weddings you, you kind of get yeah. a feel for yeah. how they how they work don't you so yeah you start directing yeah yeah, yeah. You start yeah. directing that's it you do yeah but directing natural stuff exactly. so that's that's, that's yeah, the yeah. knack I guess yeah. isn't it so where's your where's your business at now how's how are you finding uh, the wedding industry and, and Dundon and films like where's your it's good it's it feels like I can control it like I can sort of turn it on when I need to turn it on back it off when I need to back it off and I'm not scared of the of the bookings coming in we did a quite a big sort of price increase after C word. Yeah, we don't talk about it on this program anymore. Um, <laughs> we talked, Igor, you wanted to talk about it earlier. Yeah, I was like, no, mate. Yeah, no, we bring, are, bring the done. tone right down. We are done. We are not going to discuss it anymore on this Never part. Never I've had enough. But um, yeah, I think that that event panicked a lot of us, but also gave a lot of us a sort of real sort of um, stress test mm -hmm. for our businesses for our mental health which we're going to be decompressing from for a long while yet I think I really believe that um, but yeah so this year it's nice it feels nice I've got the bookings I want I'm just about to sort of close the door on 2022 and say no more because I need to back it off from last year because that that felt like it was kind of creeping around burnout zone last year shooting as many weddings as I did it just was it just butted heads too much with trying to live a normal life with, mm. you know, kids and stuff. So, but yeah, it feels it feels good. I feel like I'm in control of it, which is is nice. It's reassuring. Um, we just switched to a limited company this year as well to just, you know, give us. I think being limited, while it doesn't necessarily matter really, I think it just felt like the next natural step. And my shady accountant was like, "Yeah, let's do that." so so I took his advice <laughs> I think um, I think having listened to kind of that background over what, what I've been talking for like 20 odd minutes or so it's just it's really nice it must be nice for people that are maybe in those positions of jobs that don't really fulfil them just to hear that you can make that you can make that jump and that you can go after something and pursue it and that there is a, another world out there that you can get you know a very satisfying career from and 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 being like you keep you said control a few times and i think that's the one thing that you get when you're yeah. self-employed and a creative is that you get that control you're in charge of those decisions aren't you yeah um, yeah that's it yeah you, you're completely kind of deciding what you do but then obviously beyond that there's a learning curve of deciding what you don't need to do which is sometimes harder to let go than other things but yeah, that's that's what I now strive towards is to to be able to sort of completely control it and just have it there as a thing, and then I can just focus completely on where I want to go next, mm -hmm. wherever that yeah. is. <laughs> do you look back? Do you look back on it now? And and obviously we kind of addressed it at the start, like talking about your, your background and stuff. But do you look back on it now and kind of do you feel like proud about what you've achieved? Yeah, I, I mean, I love it as a it's always a good conversation starter and it works really well at weddings because there's quite a broad pool of stuff to take from but yeah I do I look back at it I'm like 
I probably I probably referenced the army far too much considering I just ran away after like 10 months <laughs> of training like if I told a parachute regiment soldier that I was a soldier he would probably knock me out and street because it was just not true but like it gave me something I took something away from it um and yeah I am proud of it yeah. now and you don't look down on weddings anymore no, because I found something more real in them than exists yeah, in the film industry. There's something more, yeah, film, like Harry Potter was a real creative process for J.K. Rowling and whoever was directing it and the directors of photography. That was their creative process. But I'm like way down the list. I'm like just feeding the softer scraps of their creativity. This is my creativity. So it's it's great. Just you can't can't be like snobbing on it. It's, it's more important greater sense of fulfillment totally yeah. totally yeah and I guess literally as you said beforehand with your boss and everything else and then with Teddy coming in do you think that fulfillment is that sort of like made you sort of like make the jump or I think there was definitely a sort of hint of just shooting a few weddings that this was good mm-hmm. and this had potential and it, I guess them three things all came to head at the same point, like having a baby, the weddings being like, oh, this is quite good. And my old job being like, oh, this is quite shit. So it all came together at a point. And then that was that, that lunchtime. I was just yeah. like, yeah. Later, walked to Paddington Station and went home. <laughs> I went back to my dad's because <laughs> that's where I lived. <laughs> but yeah, so, and that was it. I think this is a perfect time to start talking about Hannah. Hannah, yes. Hannah, Hannah. How did you Hannah, that- Hannah, 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 Hannah. <laughs> I mean, given the background that you've painted of your your uh, early years, I hope you're not offended, but I'm going to say, you did well to get Hannah. Oh, punching. <laughs> <laughs> punching. Like, I know this. Like, yeah. Hi, I'm Dan. Yeah, that's my bike. Like, <laughs> I know I don't drive yet. Yeah, yeah, completely. It was, it was just a... And again, it's just like a little meandering circumstances, but all... All, all down to BMXing, friend. BMXing friend's wife was friends with Hannah. And she saw, she saw something in you, obviously. That, yeah, maybe. definitely wasn't money or potential. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was wearing loads of gold jewelry when we first met as well. I don't know why. Like I just one day I just I would love to see those. Just, what's what's that? What's that uh, British rapper? I, I just had it in my mind. You just wearing all white gold chains. Guns don't kill people. Rappers oh, do. Gold looking chain. Look yeah. That's the image that I just had. Yeah, it was probably worse than that. Like I think I had a leather jacket on and loads of gold. I, I mean, oh yeah, all over the place. But um, but yes. was that that obviously me? Uh, I suppose we can kind of all relate to this. Like, I think when you meet a, a partner that you're going to be with for a while. And you, start a family that's the that's the the start of the new chapter isn't it and yeah completely the the catalyst for you know growing because you you're not just in it for yourself anymore are you yeah completely and that and and hannah's really really quite quite a different person to me like we're probably more similar now after sort of 11 years but she's very different she kind of she went off to australia when she was 18 and swam in lakes full of crocodiles she didn't know this she was just being silly but I didn't do the whole traveling thing. I was, you know, riding my bike, as I said. <laughs> so we were quite different in burning that. sofas. Yeah, burning sofas. But so she, she kind of filled a gap in me where I probably wouldn't have been as bold in terms of business decisions. Like I still ask her to this day, like, oh, should we, 
She did discount. They sound really nice. She's like, no, no. Like, so she still fills that gap where I have a little bit of a lack of confidence maybe or where I just can't see things rationally because I'm too close to it or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, she kind of fills that gap. So yeah, she kind of not, not changed me, but kind of helped me develop in the way I needed to as well. So do you guys have sort of like set roles within the business? Um, yeah. So Hannah kind of, well, that's changed quite a bit actually, but so like I shot the first wedding I did on my own and I realized that it was hard. So the second <laughs> wedding Hannah came and shot and then for the first four or five years, I think Hannah shot pretty much every wedding we shot them together. And that was really nice having someone kind of going through it with you, learning together, you know, correcting each other because Hannah shoots a really different way to the way I shoot. I shoot from a kind of technical point of view and Hannah just kind of shoots when she sees stuff that's nice. And that kind of complemented each other as well. It worked really well. And I think I learned a lot from Hannah's kind of approach and applied it to my own approach and kind of calmed down a little bit about like, you know, getting the settings just right because, you're, oh, oh shit, I've missed that. Like, whereas Hannah would be like, <clears throat> Oh, yeah. you got a good shot. <laughs> right, so, so yeah. Um, and Hannah would always kind of carry the admin side of things because I, for whatever reason, probably working in basements and digging holes, I, in terms of communicating with people through like on the phone and even through emails, I just, it was like a brick wall for me. It was so hard. And I don't, I guess it was probably some sort of form of anxiety that I had. I couldn't speak on the phone. I couldn't see a person's face and I just, I it would make me like anxious to know that I had to phone someone up. Mm. And Hannah would be like, she'd walk out into the office or whatever and say, oh, I've got um, Lucy on the phone asking about a wedding. And I'd be like, no, no. But then she'd kind of give me the phone. And over the, over the years, I'd say it's only the last two years where, that I feel confident fully confident in speaking on the phone. The phone was the, the I mean, main. I speak to you most, I speak to you most, yeah. to most days yeah. now. And yeah. Dan, Dan, I've got a, I've got a video pro question for you. Like Dan's my go-to uh, video, video technician guy. support guy. <laughs> and uh, I think it's really- To reading... the point where I'm gonna buy him some AirPods soon because <laughs> I talk oh, to yeah. him that often. I'm like, you've got work to do. I know you're busy, but can but, you just- <laughs> Yeah, I think um, it's just visual. I think mm -hmm. I need visual cues to speak to people because I've never had an issue with speaking to people face to face. It's not, and, and Zoom calls have always been okay as well, which I know a lot of people don't like them, but I've kind of always preferred that. So yeah, Hannah took up the slack there and she kind of worked previously in like admin roles anyway. So she kind of had a good basis to sort of organize all that side of things. Um, she, still, she still does now, she still like does inquiries and stuff like that. But obviously having three kids now is just kind of, the roles have sort of shifted a little bit more she shoot she shoots weddings still but probably only the bigger weddings so if we shoot an indian wedding we'll just need need more people so she'll shoot them so she's shooting five weddings i think this year um which is it's that that's hard just having three kids and you know dishing it out with grandparents is, yeah. is tricky yeah three kids is just the dynamic that, that work-life balance in, in our industry is is tough isn't it i think we all kind of go i think oh, yeah yeah, that. yeah that, i know how that feels and the balance, I don't really believe the balance exists. I believe there's compromising 
state because balance implies that both sides are weighted equally which just never yeah, happens no, yeah definitely you're not. you're focused on this or you're focused on this so it's not a balance it's a it's more of a sort of a juggle and a you know temporary distribution of, yeah, of interest or something like that so and that like still for me is all over the place like the hours i'm doing at the moment finishing edits and things is just i i do like the school run in the morning um sometimes i do breakfast in the morning hannah does a school run and sometimes i do dinner if we've got gymnastics or ballet or swimming or you know and it's just a massive juggle and a so you just kind of fit it in where it fits in. And I think it takes flexibility on all parties, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, to That's one of the bonuses we have, flex. is flexibility, yeah. Yeah. Like, it is, it is nice to have that flexibility. Something um, that I've started to really appreciate this year, um, where we've just started having two girls now, is just the, the, the privilege and ability that we have as self-employed people and creatives in general. They're literally, yeah, it's okay. I can start work at 10 o'clock today because I've dropped... Ava off, went to the gym. By the time I get home and actually sit at my desk and start doing mm. everything, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's that freedom that we have. And, yeah, hold those moments, treasure those moments, the, oh, that, God, that yeah. flexibility. Yeah, it is like, like you say, it's a privilege. Like, And it's good to sort of recognise that more often than you think. And I, I, like, consciously go, no. Look at the dads outside the school gates in their suits, literally chucking their children and then getting in their Audis and bombing off to the office. That is a horrible situation to be in. Oh, oh love, look. We get a bit judgy because we were all the sports days and all that. We're like, oh, they're not here. They're not here. Probably in the office. And it's like, you, do, you don't realise how lucky you are. And I've, I've even had conversations with Ted. He's like, oh, why are you doing going why have you got weddings on saturday and sunday and i'm like yeah it's rubbish i was like but look how would it be if i didn't see you in the morning because i'd gone to work and all i did was maybe read you a story before you went to bed at night and he was like yeah that's rubbish i was like yeah so you know learn son come on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah it is and it, i think acknowledging that is is, is great because then you kind of you're like yeah this is all right. This yeah. is nice. I walk into my house for my lunch. It's six steps from my shed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard to put kind of a, a monetary value on that lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd find it hard to go and sit in a, um, an air conditioned. I mean, I'd like an air conditioned yeah, office today. We came in today, didn't we? And it was like, oh, it's especially a bit with them today. cannons. Get those, get those fans on. Um, but yeah, to like you, so you 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 painted that picture of leaving the house before breakfast and coming home for if you're lucky story time. I just I, it makes like, me feel a bit sick. Yeah, like, it gives me a feeling of like oh that I yeah I don't and the guy that's what I grew up with. That's what you'd miss so much. You'd miss so yeah. much. It's those yeah. ordinary little moments that you get, aren't they? That uh, yeah, yeah, I feel we. I think we all feel very fortunate to yeah to, to be in that position. So. so on Hannah, I mean, obviously, you've talked about how she works. If she was sat here, would she say that you've kind of contributed to her improvement as well and development? Is that something that does she it would go, probably does it go she, kind of both ways? She, I've, I've definitely taught her some technical aspects, but I think she genuinely likes to distance herself from them. I think she likes to just be that spontaneous 
So if you, I mean, you've seen Hannah in bridal prep. She's yeah. chatting, making cups of tea, and just like, oh, get a shot of that, get a shot of that. And it's like it's just it's such a sort of embedded way of shooting. Um, she's in it. She's in it. Yeah, yeah. and it it's amazing to watch. It's not how I do it, um, and I think she has kind of taken on board some of the more technical aspects to a degree but you know, I don't think she just does her own thing it's and funny. she gets some amazing shots she yeah. really you, make, you, do, you, you do make a great team like there's definitely a really good compliment there between between the both of you and how, yeah, how I think, you work and it's just it's an honest it's an honest partner isn't it like so if I'm editing she will like go in hard on an edit from two angles from an angle of being like that that's what are you doing there that's bad Sometimes I can explain my way around it and validate it, but and then other times she'd be like, "Oh, that, yeah, that, that, I think that angle might not be the best angle." And I'm like, "Yeah, I was kind of thinking that." So you got like a reassurance on certain things, and then a, a someone to criticise you. A personal on the other. critique. And it's good. It is good, and it's made me so thick-skinned. And I always say that to couples. I'm like, "Look, if you're not happy, tell me. Like, I, I'm not going to weep in the corner, like because you've." questioned my creative intent it's fine like let's hopefully the process of getting to that wedding has vetted the people enough and our relationship that we do mm. come to a you know a similar point in aesthetic and what we're expecting but if we don't let's talk about it and i can change it have you ever it's had that? editing <laughs> what's that have you ever had that i had i've had a couple of instances where people have just kind of it's happened with music once or twice. So my music choice. And then a couple of times it's been a case of like, oh, I end up like pointing people in the direction of art list and saying, well, here, here's a catalog. It's 20,000 songs on it. Like, have a look. See how hard it is to work yeah. out how to find music. We both, we both sort of dabbled in video, haven't we, over the last year yeah. or so with we, you know, the, the way our businesses are going. And I think we're both of agreement that the possibilities of video and production and editing are... Ridiculous. I don't it's even think so the word huge. endless yeah. kind of does yeah. it. Yeah. You, you know, can, you can you could give a wedding film to, you know, a thousand videographers that would edit it in a totally different tone and mood and and start and, and I don't think with as photographers we have that scope for Yeah. Creativity. No, no, it's, 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 it's such an interesting like conversation on on kind of how deep the creativity goes mm -hmm. within the different mediums. And I thought about this loads because I look to photography probably more than I do videography within weddings. I look to filmmaking as a wider thing, as a sort of source of inspiration or, but within weddings, I, I kind of look to photography more. And I, cause I think what it is with photography. So there's a kind of, there's a sort of rule of thumb that you can, you can, you can edit a good film out of a shit footage, right? You can edit a good film out of shit footage. You can't edit a good photo out of a shit photo. Like, so in terms of like nailing what you need to nail there and then, that's why photography for me kind of encapsulates their moments better. Video, we've got a few more tools to play with. You know, we can pull some emotional strings with audio and the edit. So it, they're kind of not really comparable, I don't think. It's just a fact they're images. It's, it's, even, even when you deliver, uh, or when couples receive, um, their wedding album, not wedding album, their wedding photos and their wedding video. I always 
always encourage them even beforehand always encourage them yes if if you get a chance to have a videographer have a videographer because the the perspective is just going to be completely different from what i'm going to give you yes what i'm going to give you is something great and you're going to love it but his perspective is going to be just completely yeah. different and it's going to make you feel different as well it's going to bring a different tone really so yeah. yeah um that's what i like about it but at the same time with the whole idea of photo or video having a, a different spectrum I, I still think that sometimes as photographers we can be a bit lazy we can be a bit in, just in the way we present our work in some yeah. ways I, I'm, I'm sure it's I'm 100% sure that there's different ways of us presenting our work in a way that's quite creative and just different and quite um, what's the word? I don't know. A bit, a bit more pushing the boundaries a little bit. I think we've <laughs> put blinders on a little bit. Well, it's and and just presented photos on a slideshow sort of thing, or even on a book, and that's it. Yeah, it's that. I think it. I think it comes from that struggle of Dan touched on it very briefly about talking about you know um, uh, kind of nailing your style a little bit. You kind of. I didn't know it. I can't remember exactly what you said, but you know, obviously we're trying to appeal to a client and we want them to be invested in us as a, as an artist and and as a creator. And when we, what we don't want to do is confuse our clients as to what they're going to get. Mm -hmm. So I suppose that kind of is probably why we, we get to a stage, don't we, where we, we we go through that steep learning curve where we try everything Mm -hmm. and then we start to hone in on what it is that we're about as photographers and videographers, because when we do that, we attract the people that want that niche yeah. or that particular style. Yeah. And, and you keep producing and I think that with, more and more. I, th- I think the point I'm trying to make with video is that there are even more, I don't know if it's niche the right word, like so many more variants or slightly different styles of video than there are photography. Like I think photography is still broad. Mm-hmm. There's a huge amount of yeah. scope for, you know, creative um, interpretation on a wedding day. But when you factor in audio, sound music production uh storytelling you know the possibilities for video are ultimately inf- infinite yeah they, yeah just way goes more on bigger. And on and yeah on. yeah and I, okay, yeah that's it i it think is. what you've done really well just to finish that point is like what you've done really well as a business and a brand over the last sort of two or three years is to really lean into this is what dan dolan films is about this this is our work and that means that you don't get those clients now that come to you but oh this isn't what we wanted because actually what you've shown time and time again is this is our work we're consistent with it you know you're buying into this philosophy that you're going to trust us to come and do a job and we're going to portray it in this in this tone in this way and we'll Uh, do what we need to to achieve that yeah yeah and that that is and finding that like finding your, your your voice or your aesthetic or whatever you want to call it is it does take a while yeah because that's, I think that's what it always comes down to with clients when they're looking to find somebody is and they might I don't even think they always know it but it's about trust hmm. yeah and actually I had a Zoom call with a couple last night who said what stood out about your work was that it's c- consistent over and over again whereas they'll see other people and they'll see like nice little shots here and there but they might look in a full gallery and it's not it doesn't quite back up that mm-hmm. one or two images they've seen whereas obviously you know me and you 10 years into our business we're both very consistent with what we work and well, with what we produce and yeah, you know, I can go to a wedding and it might not go to plan the day visually, but I can still yeah, make it exactly uh, uh, portray it in the way that I want to portray it. And yeah, and, that, and I think yeah, that's that is exactly the same for video. It's just like you say. I think we've got a few more tools to sort of shoehorn it into our. How long aesthetic. did how long did it take to kind of for you to feel like 
you'd found your uh, is style the right word you know yeah, to, I mean, to it, find your you know what it is you're about I, it, or did you find that was it was that very clear early on no i don't think it was and i think i think looking elsewhere can sometimes hinder your progress at actually finding what you're about um i could i don't think i could i could probably look back through say my instagram feed and and visually go oh yeah this is where something was the point mm. but then is it is it when your visual aesthetic lands where you want it or is it where the the overall mood and tone of the film including the audio lands where you want it so and and people take so many different things away from films like some people are so visually dri driven that that's what kind of gets them and other people it's not visually driven it's just about the audio or it's about just the fact that what you yeah you know, it's, it's it's so strange and we've seen that at weddings like moments that are not necessarily anything that amazing and no one's really paying attention but when you film it in the right light in the right angles put it to the right music it just becomes something that's more than it ever mm -hmm. was yeah i think with video i think you do get you know you kind of mentioned it earlier igor about the video is going to give you something different it's always like i always just get i always get the feeling of atmosphere more mm -hmm. with video yeah 100 percent it just brings that's, the down, mood. that's down to audio I think yeah. I think audio is what yeah. drives the atmosphere um, and whenever whenever I recommend videographers or if couples come to me saying oh can you recommend somebody whether I send them your way or, or some other people's way it's always about you know when you're looking for a videographer make sure they're doing the audio properly because yeah. that is what elevates the video from just being yeah, well, it's a, like, just a motion picture to something it's, that's it, got an atmosphere and, and, and something that really hooks you yeah well you feel you feel audio like yeah. that's not just being spiritualist you feel it you physically it yeah. vibrates you so there's no science that can explain that but it's got to be doing something yeah. beyond and well, we've talked about it on previous podcast where we had when we had ben sat here the other week and talking about so ben said something and it made both of us go oh, I've got goosebumps that. <laughs> yeah, you know, because we we heard something that made it, it moved but moved us the way he described something so yeah yeah it's, it's got a, a mood it's all about the mood yeah that's what i say to couples i say like if you want something specific from a film, think about the mood of it rather than I like this, this and this and this. Think about the mood that you want your film to have. I just thought, are you missing a marketing trick actually by not Probably. describing yourself as um, a Harry Potter runner? <laughs> <laughs> I've just thought of it. How could, have we not could, noticed I could that? Be. It's not on your website. That, you no, know. It was for a while, but then I even had a link to my IMDb page at one point. <laughs> no, <right. I> like, <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm, I'm not... I'm not. I'm not very good at sort of shouting about myself. Um, I've always been like, mm, it just establish mm. authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it's in a humorous way, whichever way you feel about it today. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Quick yeah. random question: What's kind of like top three movies? Oh, this is another <laughs> weird. This is another now. weird parallel. <laughs> yeah. Another weird parallel I have with you guys is that when you was going through your top films, I was like, yeah, that, yeah, that. Um, Interstellar. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> yes! Oh, sorry. I have, I have seen it now, so yeah, I it saw, is great. I saw it on yeah. Sunday on a 70mm print in the West End Ooh. with Hannah. And it was it was full of scratches and grain and dirt. Even a 70mm, it shouldn't be. It should be nice and clean, but it was obviously an old print and it was an old cinema, so there was heads everywhere. But it all just disappears when you're engaged in them scenes. And I don't know, I don't know whether it's like, I'd love to have seen Interstellar before I had kids, because I think it's a different film. It's then. a completely different film. Because yeah. that, that was the pitch. Um, 
Christopher Nolan went to Hans Zimmer and he didn't tell him it was a sci-fi epic. He said, I'm making a film about the relationship between a father and a son. I mean, he gender, gender flipped it at the end, yeah. but that's all he told Hans Zimmer. So he based the whole like theme of the soundtrack on the relationship between a father and a child. And that just, it's like, don't know how it all works, but it all slots into, I know you can pick it apart with the science and that, but so what? I don't care. Um, Interstellar is definitely there. I did write a list of films. Pan's Labyrinth is an absolutely amazing film. Like, I really want the kids to see it, but it's, it's yeah, so I'm exactly the same. It's savage. Yeah, they have to I grow think, up quite a yeah. bit. I think it'll be early teen years for me. But then I, I, I like there's, I, I like Quentin Tarantino's films. I love the the dialogue, like the the dead driven by dialogue. And again, everyone kind of bins him for being a recycler of so what he's doing it for our generation well, so he does it so well yeah. as well so I, I love like Django is amazing um, I love his timing yeah his pacing is great he just leaves you hanging and then stove someone's face in with a hammer like it's like oh once upon a time in Hollywood okay that is just oh, it's the essence of a slow burner isn't it really you're like what's going on there what's going whoa like <laughs> but it changes like Gladiator will still be such an amazing film for me because I had that whole cinema experience Ooh. when I was little Saving Private Ryan the that, same that was a blockbuster that was a blockbuster wasn't it was the it? last real epic like, that yeah. was like the last physical I can remember with, the buzz when that came out yeah just being like nobody had seen anything quite like it had they but he's like if you look at Ridley Scott and what he's done like like he is he's like a visionary film director in that he goes, he controls everything. Mm -hmm. Like his DOPs are playing second fiddle. And I met one of them and he wasn't, he wasn't very nice either. So I always <laughs> sing Ridley Scott's praises. But um, I, I could literally, I love 12 Monkeys. I think that's a great film. So good. Like the aesthetic in, in any sort of Terry Gilliam, Roger Pratt is the DOP. If you watch 12 Monkeys or Brazil, like, the aesthetic he uses like fisheye lenses and stuff like that and it's, it shouldn't make sense but it's amazing how so. do how, I mean we talked about this in a previous episode like how does the the inspiration that you take from That's those exactly films how does thinking. it transfer itself how does it how does it um, what's the word for it uh, manifest itself in, in your work as a wedding photographer because a lot of people would go well gladiator that's not a wedding yeah but 12 it's, monkeys that's it's not like a wedding it's like you said it, it comes what is down it that, it's pacing I think pacing's a big thing um tone uh probably not even to a degree the technical aspects of shooting like do you I, get people walking through long grass and like brushing the grass I, as they I, walk I, I fully, yeah. I fully got that shot with that scene like i've literally got like the music in my brain as it's, like yeah and so that's obviously direct sort of well it's, it's copying let's yeah. be honest but i don't know i think i think just your collective your collective creative base that you consume just like propagates in to what you do yeah. it's not one specific thing like I don't know just just watching the way Roger Deakins the DOP like amazing DOP does all the Coen Brothers films like his framing and stuff is just so thought out and going you don't chop feet off yeah <laughs> like, chop feet Deakins off. is like an absolute master of where to cut things don't cut anything on a joint. It just feels awkward. Yeah. Cut um, it mid 
arm like just things like that and you might see a youtube video about that or you might watch a coen brothers film or something like that and be like yeah it's just but once so, you've seen stuff like that you, see, you can't unsee you can't it. unsee it and, and it, that, yeah, ruins, and it does then it, it trans- ruins then it film does, experience yeah. it, then it does become part of your work because you you're going to a you know a wedding and you're kind of it's it's there it's like ingrained in you yeah and i guess that's what makes the cinematic which is you know yeah. the buzzword in the industry whatever it means don't know <laughs> but yeah it's so i don't i don't think that you can necessarily look at something and and see specific aspects that you take away i think it just all accumulates as like a collective inspiration ball in your head is a term there you go <laughs> inspiration ball right so that's more of that's most of the kind of the fun side of the job covered right you know, going to weddings, being inspired creatively. What about the the not so glamorous stuff? What about the business side of your business? How how do you how do you reflect on that side of, of what you do as a, a being self employed and, and handling the you know, the business, the finances, the admin? You kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of emails, and, and but I'm thinking much more in terms of like the yeah you know, the day to day running of a business. So it that. The business side of it has always been where I've kind of found it hardest to sort of streamline it, to make it work efficiently and to make it just easier. Like I was using Excel spreadsheets for a long, long time and I had like five different ones that were all different things. And it was only like two years ago that I got onto like a CRM. I'm still learning what what that actually is. And that, so that changed a lot for me, but I've, I've got, I've got an issue with wanting to know the underlying mechanics for anything I use. So That's exactly why I love you. <laughs> I want to know, like, so when I, when we started the business, I kind of spoke to an accountant and I was like, oh, yeah, he's all right. I need him there, but I'm going to nail this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to read just British tax legislation and I'll, I'll nail it. <laughs> and I just, I just did not get it. Like I was, I, I'm pretty competent at maths and things, but it just blew my mind like i i couldn't wrap my head around it and it frustrated me so much and i've kind of got on with it over the years I've always had an accountant because filling in a tax return for myself is just it's just not an option i can't i just couldn't attempt to do that um because i you know what, what's that mean it's high risk yeah, I think I was thinking it's very oh dangerous. Get, it's get, them, your... get them auditors in, and it's an expensive mistake too. Yeah, yeah. when to, it's not your field of expertise, it is very easy to to put a decimal point in the wrong place. Yeah, or to, that's it. And you know, and I felt I guess there was a pressure there because I was like moving into my own business and I was going to be self-employed and doing my own thing, and there was a pressure there to be like you know what what you see as successful self-employed people running businesses, they do it all. You know, spinning plates left, right, and centre. So I guess for a while I got frustrated because I was like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't get my head around that. I can't creatively and actively be doing something there, whilst I've got to try and understand that there. And I think that was a, another part of learning within business is that you don't necessarily have to be good at all aspects of it. You can palm off some aspects, or do you know what? Even for the first couple of years, do them in a bit of a scrappy way. Like if I look back at my books that I gave the accountant in the first few years, it is an absolute mess. It just was like a screwed up ball of receipts. And he was like, oh, you just send me a cash book. And I was like, 
what is that (laughs) yeah what is a cash book like so that's that's been a learning curve for me and last meeting i had with the accountant where we was talking we was gonna move the business into a limited company i was like look i was like i just need to say i'm more than happy to pay you more money if you just take this away from me i don't need it i just want to know that it's being done correctly and you can do that yeah you have a degree that says you can do that i thought for six years that i could read and qualify myself to his level no you can't you can't do that so that was a big kind of part for me to sort of i guess it's letting go of it but just accepting that like different people have different skills and let them run with it so that's much better now i don't have to think about it it's there's there's loads of metrics that i'm still getting my head around to to sort of understand your business which is that that for me now is something i'm trying to get better at understanding Mm. like have a look at like conversion rates and things like that and try and implement some tools to help me with that but that's still definitely somewhere i'm i'm kind of learning and developing now that i guess the creative side is established and doing what it needs to do and feels fulfilling i can now kind of build up the other parts and make them work better yeah because people aren't booking you as a videographer to to run your accounts they're they're booking you because they love your work and they they want you to produce their videos and yeah, we we all know that video is incredibly time consuming post production wise. Far yeah. uh, genuinely it is far more consuming than, than photos. Massive respect. So <laughs> you as a business, you have to be leaner and more efficient than I think we do as photographers yeah. to be able to kind of generate the that turnover. So just to be able to recognise that you can't do that and just to be able to kind of go, No, do you know what? I understand a bit of it, but actually I need to outsource that. Yeah. I think is a is a really big lesson that I think more people need to kind of take on board. Yeah, and I think you got the whole kind of um, entrepreneurial sort of mindset that's pumped into your screens doesn't allow for that. Doesn't allow for sort of don't don't get that. What the hell's a dividend? I don't understand that. It doesn't allow that. You know, you need to be like one of the dragons in Dragon's Den and be like working out margins. I don't. I have to Google what net and gross mean most of the time because it really confused me which one's which like so and i'm fine i'm happy to admit uh, that now because i don't need to know that because the account i thought can it do was just that. me that did that yeah but every time net gross i think there's a fishing analogy that can help you with it but i forgot the analogy so like yeah so just just knowing when to let go of things yeah are there any other parts of your business that you think you could outsource i could potentially outsource some editing parts of like because i don't do a cull as such with my edits i like to have a kind of a a big pool of footage and sometimes i'll use footage that most people would cull out anyway like some shaky blurry bit of rubbish could work well for a transition or something like that so but there's definitely a side of it which is like i guess in the film industry is called a digital imaging technician so it's basically someone that manages the media organizes the media labels it backs it up yeah archives so, it i've certainly <laughs> learned that lesson in the last year or so yeah and that that's a pretty good role like it's a job in itself we had like eight data wranglers they're called in where i used to work and they just literally sit in front of dual screen computers one one hp windows machine one mac terminal windows open on all of them just 
moving data, managing data, and that's what has to happen because we had, I think we had four and a half petabytes of storage. So it was like, you mess that up, it gets messed up like in a mad, a crazy way. So I just, yeah, that could definitely be something that could outsource. That sort of, um, I guess it's a digital imaging technician or assistant editor role mm -hmm. would be that would create a be. good catalogue of, of yeah, a good library. Yeah, basically. and that's like data management is kind of underpins everything you do because good archival doesn't exist unless good data management exists. Like you, it just can't because if you duplicate a file name, you archive that it overwrites or it merges or it does something funky like so it it's kind of critical otherwise the business just falls apart i think it was like, one of the first things you told me when, when i was getting to video was to make sure that you set your folders up properly yeah and just to label things and to just to have a, a folder for each project and to know where all the files yeah it just because and it just make it rigid like i I've, I've got a, a little script i use in terminal and that builds a project so you just type in the, the name of like the abbreviation of the couple and then it builds a file structure that's the same as every single file structure for every single project I do. And then each file out of the camera is individually named with a prefix of the, the project, which what it allows you to do is to search any file from any location on a computer because you know what that file's called. And this is why this is why Dan's going to be doing a video course with me. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. So be a big old chunky yeah. section on data management. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's um, that's definitely an outsourceable part of the process. A lot of trust goes in that though. A lot of trust, but then you can implement procedures that you know make it procedural rather than faith-based say that you are he's all right i've trained him how to do it well no if he's done xyz and given you a report so we we you have what's called a camera report or a, a mag report which just reports on what they what you shot so when i shoot i always take a note of how many clips i've shot and then when you do the transfer you know if you've got any corrupted clips because you see a because discrepancy a in the number yeah. then when that copy goes through and just like so you make it bulletproof and that that should be the strongest part of any as bulletproof any, as it can be as bulletproof as it can be yeah literal bulletproof fireproof just separate your data just get yeah. as far away from each other as you can <laughs> and that, i suppose we're kind of getting into the world of like like managing uh video files like for anybody that's listening to this that is like i has got a bit of a passion for videography like how how would you kind of if they were sat in front of you, like, what would you kind of give them that would be like, right, this is this is how you need to approach breaking into breaking into the industry. So, specifically for weddings, but actually, it probably applies across the board. I mean, film as an industry in terms of TV and and video is is it's one of the trickiest industries to get involved in, and you've got to be prepared to sort of sell your soul a little bit and like just just get your head down and work for a good few years but video is so massive now that it kind of circumnavigates the film industry is like a bubble in the middle that like nepotism exists in and like four generations of sons work in it and that's fine but you can do so much more and well i think we mentioned it earlier but the the, the crux of it is just shooting stuff shoot anything like write a stupid one paragraph story and see if you can shoot it see if you can use the the camera to tell the story 
So take the words and then use the camera to tell the story, work out what works, work out what doesn't, just do that. And in that process, you'll find out if you really love it. If nothing clicks and you don't look at a shot or an edit and go, oh, that, that, I've that made works, that. I've made that. Yeah. If that doesn't happen, then maybe, maybe you're not right for it. Um, and I think ev any creative that has a good idea of what they want to do, practicing it at any level, in any setting, you should be able to get the same satisfaction from, so I, I remember years ago I, um, when Teddy was a baby, I edited a little sequence of him crawling around the house. It was nothing, it was like eight shots, but I really planned it out. I like, um, timelined it, I like storyboarded it, and I was like, I'm gonna make this little edit, just a little, and it was great, I loved it. And it was that, if you can find the excitement and the enjoyment in something like that, then you do it and you earn money for it. It's like, mm, there you go. So, and in terms of stepping into the industry, you've got, to, you've got to go in humble. You've got to just talk to people and you've got to build relationships because the relationships you build with other suppliers as a videographer are kind of paramount. If you rock up with a shoulder mounted Sony Betacam camera and act like a dick, you're, you're not getting recommended to anyone by anyone. So you kind of, be humble, just be like, I'm new. What can I learn from these people around me? Mm. I remember the first ever Indian wedding I shot. It was so terrifying. And there was four photographers there with 1DX Mark IIs, like literally, like, <laughs> it was, <laughs> they was the most helpful, friendly people. And they just kind of took me, took me and Hannah under their wing, their collective wings, and helped us through it. So, and that I'd been shooting weddings for a couple of years by then, but just kind of know, you, know your place and know where you need to step back and get some help, ask for help, or understand that there's better people there, better people there that are better placed to guide you through it. And if you do that, money-wise, yeah, you're probably gonna have to compromise on what you're expecting money-wise at the start. That's just the inevitable you know, That's part of the process, it's it? part of the process. Um, I can't really remember what I charged on my second or third weddings. I think it was like, it was under, it was about 800 pounds. First one was completely free. I'm not saying you have to do that. Like, of course, like if you can, but we had friends. So yeah, we had friends that had a wedding venue. So that was, that made it a bit easier for us, but just approach everyone and just be interested and humble. Or like, we live in a world now that, is so open and kind of community driven within social media that it's, it's kind of impossible like to not find a group or find a network. I'm, I struggled with that because I just, I didn't feel very comfortable in kind of putting myself in and going, hello, I'm new. So I could have been, I was probably quite closed off and maybe that slowed me down a little bit in, in terms of, but then that's probably, goes back to the little bit of arrogance in coming from the film industry. So yeah, just be humble. Just be humble. Just be willing to learn. Don't like, yeah, that's, it's kind of that simple. Yeah, I think that networking point is, is massive. I think yeah. so many people overlook it or think that it's almost too obvious to be a, a valid point. But actually, like, you know, from a photographer's point of view, you know, you, you actually, if, if we look at like the, and I'm sure Igor's the same with you guys as well in terms of like recommending you, like you bring value to our couples that means that we provide a better service because they're 
they're buzzing that we've recommended somebody that they actually like and go, oh yeah, we really like this guy and we would never have found him. And that, yeah. So like, so you allow so. us to provide an improved certain yeah. level of service because we're going, hey guys, right, I know you've asked about video, like, have you looked at this guy? Have you looked at this guy? Because, or this girl, you know, have you looked at this team? Because they don't, they, they, the market is so vast that actually to have a, a personal recommendation from a supplier they've chosen already is just invaluable to yeah, them. Yeah, it um, is. And I think and it's, it's just more credible from the world go because yeah. stepping into the wedding industry... The, the, like, it could be a minefield. It, it, like, no one's ever done it. Mm. Like, maybe people have want, once before or something, but most people have no clue. Like, when we got married in 2019, we had no clue and we'd worked in the industry for five years. Yeah. And it's terrifying. But I think, like, what you said there is true and everyone's kind of always about, like, oh, your reputation precedes you. But I think with, with weddings, the trailing reputation is probably carries as much importance like, and can help you sort of propagate through the couples you want. Because if you leave sort of, you've been good, you've been good on the day, you leave a sort of good taste in their mouth, to put it, and then you deliver them the goods, you, you know, you've kind of left a package there that they can all see. So the amount of... Inquiries you get off the back of weddings yeah, should be should be quite high because you should have left that imprint of yourself, and that's so like a trailing reputation. That's what I've just labelled it as. I think. <laughs> yeah, great point. <laughs> so I think that's important. Like, and that comes from the relationships with other suppliers, which that for me has always been the the fundamental thing. Like the relationships with other suppliers, and, and like kind of you're never thinking you're above your station. No, nah. you know you're a wedding photographer and videographer and. I always, I, I'll often say to people like, you never know who's in the room. You oh, never know I've who's experienced that, that. You never know. I've got the one story. It's pretty brutal. Um, it was one of these, you know, red coat master of ceremonies, old school guys that just shout at everyone. Yeah. And we sat down for like food at a wedding. <laughs> and he went, some right ugly pigs at this wedding. And like pretty vocally, pretty loud. And... The bride, I'd worked with the bride for nine years, <laughs> right? So I was like, all right. And then she walked through a few minutes later. So I was like, I want to see this bastard squirm. So I got up and like spoke to the bride and gave her a hug. And then some of her friends from work came out. And this master of ceremonies was like, oh, this is oh, awkward. This is awkward. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, just be a bit respectful. You're in a position of privilege. Like people have basically completely disarmed themselves and trusted what you're doing and you're just have a bit of respect and that really kind of hit home for me like just yeah just be nice just be respectful and nice and and realize the day is way more important than your portfolio or anything like that yeah like you can get you get get what you need you could do it creatively if you've got the right couples that are bought into you but it's bigger than you i love that point so well said yeah, really well good. eloquent, isn't it? <laughs> in it. <laughs> no, I think this is the best spot to start finishing up. But um, tell us about what you've got planned for the future for the business. So, in the future, I, I want to shoot weddings because I think I think it's I think it's a great job to have, even as you get a bit older. Even you, maybe you might not be as cool anymore for the couples. I'm older than a lot of couples now, but I think I can. Bring the I call. think your work carries it. Yeah, you're okay. You're, <laughs> well, okay. you're okay so of, far, Dan. You know, yeah, and experience plays into that as well. Um, 
but ha- Hannah's very youthful as well. So you're, she's very you've, youthful, got, yeah. you've got that on she, your side. She does. She does bring the youth. But um, <laughs> I think, like the last couple of years, I've I've kind of acknowledged what I've achieved and sort of acknowledged what I've got as a basis of learning. And I think, as Sam's probably mentioned on the internet, and you might have seen that we're now looking to put together a vid- wedding videography course based on the sort of structure that Sam's put together for his photography course. And that'll be that'll be where I wanna go. And I think, I just feel like it's the right time for me to kind of share what I've done. Yeah. And give it, give it, give it out That's there. exactly why I asked you to, you know, if you were, if you were keen to explore the idea, because I, I think you've, you know, over the last six to 12 months with me, you've provided me with a huge amount of knowledge that I'm in, like constantly grateful for. Yeah. Um, and, and I think actually, I don't even know if you realize how kind of knowledgeable you you are in, I mean, I think you do now because we've talked about it. You yeah, know? I think so, I, you can, you can overlook what you've learned. Yeah. Because, because it's, part, it it's just like a, a baseline of your it's understanding. Natural. It's yeah. natural. It's what you know. But yeah. even just hearing you here, there's so much that you got to give. So, so much. I could and, chat for all, you know. <laughs> I, can, I can see a data management podcast from Dan Dolan <laughs> yeah. on the horizon. Right, <laughs> there will be some boring sections in the course, all right? Once I get in a terminal and start data, writing code. If data management is your thing, Dan is your guy. <laughs> Obviously, there'll be some really nice creative stuff as well. But like, yeah, yeah, we do like... Two hour long, two hour long <laughs> session. But I, I just, I, I do. That's what I've, I love about you and Hannah is that you... you you have that perfect sort of blend of, you know, you obviously have the the technical and solid foundations for for setting up your business, but Hannah brings a different side to that and Mm. and you you complement each other incredibly well. It shows in your work. I love that, you know, you've both sort of brought those those skills to the table and and you've both grown through that journey, Yeah, you know, and and supported each other to kind of go, oh, hold on a second there, maybe maybe I could do this a little bit differently. And and actually, I think in, in our industry, often it is quite a, a lonely experience it can be a lonely experience other than when you're at you're at a wedding and just having that that uh partner to be able to kind of lean on and to yeah. get and then, feedback from and, and i think yeah. that's kind of why we we got into doing this podcast is because we wanted to kind of bring a sense of community to people that yeah maybe on a monday or a tuesday are just sat in their office beaving away at lightroom or premiere pro whatever they're doing or and just to give them a sense of they're not, you know, just on their own. And no, it's totally because coming weddings is a is a tricky one as well because you you're in this bubble. If you shoot fifty weddings a year, and you're in a bubble fifty times a year, seeing the perfect family, the perfect relationships, the perfect behaviour, beautiful people, and it's it's quite hard not to walk away from that and measure your own life against it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and having stuff like this pulls you back and goes no, no, no this is this is where we are we've had we've had the we've had this discussion before haven't we about a friend of yours who yeah we don't need to name names but just had to pull himself back and be like whoa like you go home and you measure your own family and interactions against that a wedding which is is real but it's a massive enhancement of yeah. the real yeah so you can't and that's everybody looking perfect and yeah, having a great yeah. time having the best party ever like i've driven home from weddings and kind of i've been in that in that place where you're like oh man like that i wonder if, will i will i have that relationship with my little girl like mm. i really hope i do mm. and then you start just pondering that and it's like you need to separate that like, and you can separate that. You don't, and it's important to, I think. And that's why 
networks and communities of like-minded people within industries are good because they can all ground each other. Yeah. And yeah, like, I mean, my uncle's an undertaker and that is the industry that completely epitomizes where you have to ground each other. And he said they used to just stand there cracking jokes and laughing over, over the bodies, which is morbid as hell. <laughs> but you need that distancing from what you're doing. I did not expect that to arrive in our, in our conversation. You can edit that back out you. if it likes the time in the no, end. No. Oh, it wasn't COVID, I felt, so... I just felt, I was about to say as well, I feel like we're just warming up with this episode. Like, I felt like the last, the last 10, 15 minutes, we were really kind of finding our groove a little bit. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we talked about it off camera earlier. Like, I still feel like we're finding our feet with this. And, very much, yeah. Um, you know, this is, a, this is a, le- a very steep learning curve for both of us. Um, but I genuinely felt like the last 15, 20 minutes I've kind of started to really settle into the conversation a bit and then Dan drops the Undertaker <laughs> comment. Got to so, bring it back to reality. You know? I know, anything else that you want to you bring to the table, Igor, before we, before we close it out and we go and drink a bottle of whiskey that he's bought us this morning? <laughs> no, I think um, that's it. Thank you so much, Dan, for, no, thank for you being for here and bringing so. yourself. And yeah, it's amazing to hear from you. And thanks for the audience to carrying on with us and yeah we can't wait to see what we bring more tools the po- to, to the podcast and yeah see you soon thank you very much guys cheers Dan cheers see you later another episode bites the dust thank you so much for tuning in in order to help this podcast grow and to keep bringing value and ideas in your ears so if you could please like share and subscribe that would be amazing especially leave us reviews on apple Podcasts and youtube all those little things it will help us grow this brand and community and feed our kids (laughs) and in turn allow us to bring more guests and ideas to your weekly hits of another idea see you next monday (laughs) 